Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Uh, a number of years ago, 1995 actually, which I calculated recently, is 25 years ago, I was, uh, Shanda and I had hands laid on us in this church and were sent out to Vancouver Island to Campbell River uh, to be a part of and pastoring in a church there. And so we went off and away we went. And we land in this little, well, we didn't land. There was no, I don't think there was an airport in Campbell River at that time. Uh, we drove and we got to Campbell River and we started into a church and we were in a, in a, in this whole environment of new people, and uh, I didn't really, we didn't really know anybody except we'd had one interview with the pastor, and there we were a part of it and joined in. And, and when we first got there, it was really hard to get to know people. We didn't know anybody, actually. Shanda knew a few people because she grew up in there, but I didn't. And we we're at first, it was like, how are we going to find our way? And then suddenly, someone invited us to go to the Saratoga Speedway. And when you're in Campbell River at night at the Saratoga Speedway is where it's at. There's not a lot happening after 5 o'clock on any day. The sidewalks have been rolled up, the doors are locked, and nothing is happening. Maybe a fire on the beach. And so this uh, father with four little girls, uh, I think they were like two, four, six, eight, something like that, uh, invited us to the Saratoga Speedway. Shanda and I, we didn't have any kids at that time. And we went. And it started a relationship with us and cracked open a door to relationship and friendship in that community, the, the faith community that we are part of in, in Willow Point, Foursquare, and beyond. And as we got it into that community, we began to discover that about what life really was, living in community, living in relationship. That community at times when we literally had no food fed us. That community, when we didn't have a vehicle, gave us a vehicle. That family, uh, when we needed kids babysat, came and watched our kids. They weren't related to us by blood. They were related to us by the blood of Jesus and the community of faith. And we saw again and again uh, the coming around of us, the supporting of us, the buttressing of us in moments when we didn't know what to do. People were praying for us. People were encouraging us. People were strengthening us. Uh, when, and in fact, the greatest test of any relationship is moving we moved five times in seven years there, always looking for a little bit of an upgrade from a one-bedroom to a two-bedroom to a two-bedroom to a house, seven times. You know you have friends if they will come and help you move more than once. Amen? Yeah. Or you need to get friends if you don't have anybody. But it was incredible to see the power of community. And one of the challenges in my mind of this last COVID season has been the challenge of social and physical isolation. Um, some introverts have found it quite refreshing, and they are like, I don't have to extrovert. I can just live my life all by myself. But even that is not a healthy rhythm for any of us. Um, we're made for social interaction. In fact, God at the very beginning said to Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. And certainly he was talking about the marriage relationship, but he was talking about much more than that. We are not made. We don't do well together alone. Say, it's not good. For me to be alone. That's what God said. It's not good for me to be alone. And here we are in this whole social isolation, which in itself is a great challenge and in fact can be harmful in itself. You may not realize that, but research has found that 
perceived or real social isolation is associated with loneliness, anxiety, depression, cognitive decline. You get dumber. Heart troubles, a weakened immune system. In addition, one study found that isolation can lead to a 30, has led to a 30% increase in the risk of coronary heart disease and stroke. There's higher levels of stress, poor sleep, and unhealthy lifestyles which are more likely to occur with less social action, interaction, and accountability. We are seeing the effects of it in a macro level already. I said this last week. The, there are seen in various parts of Canada that calls to divorce uh, lawyers have gone over the top. There are, the calls to uh, suicide crisis lines are at uh, high, high levels. Levels of people attempting suicide, high levels. Uh, financial distress, high levels. Uh, in every area, people are walking through different uh, challenges. Some of us keep a smile on our face. Some of us are doing well in it. Some of us haven't been touched by it, but I can guarantee you that around you, people are experiencing this, even if your life is good right now. There are people all around us in various stages of fighting the effects of social isolation. And one on top of all that that brings, we have been going through an incredibly divisive time in our culture. Has anybody noticed that? Where we're continually being forced to choose you, are you for me, are you against me? Are you for masks or are you against masks? Are you, do you believe it's a lie or do you believe it's a hoax? All the things around race, around everything, all around division, when we should be having conversations with one another, we're in isolation from one another. And the challenges of it are being felt. And no one, and so we live in this cultural rhythm of isolation, depression, anxiety, frustration, and aloneness, and we're we're, we're, some of us are doing okay because our own individual life is okay. But around us, near us, maybe behind the scenes, maybe inside of you, the anxiety, the stress, the mental and physical problems, can, can we avoid them? Can we avoid being like what's going on around us so that we can be a voice of good and of God in the world that's around us? And we've been talking about following Jesus in a world gone crazy is the world gone crazy right now? I think it has. And it's been going crazy every time we wander further away from God. And the scripture that we've been anchoring this, rhythms of restoration or rhythms of renewal, is on Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, where Jesus said this in a message translation, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? And burned out on religion doesn't mean just church. It means every attempt by man to sort out our lives apart from God. Come to me, he said, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What rhythm in the middle of social and physical isolation could help you to live freely and lightly? What rhythm in the middle of social isolation could help us to move away from this, the disruption and the destruction to our physical and mental health, the, distur the disturbance caused by all the division in our culture? What rhythm, what rhythm could help us establish the rhythm that is, causes us to live freely and lightly in the world that we're in? You know, 
2,000 years ago, the church was birthed into a culture that was very much like this. Divisive, hated, isolated. The church was running for its life under persecution, in difficulty, in pain, in all kinds of issues going around it. And the empire was saying, our way and only our way. You're going to do and live and worship like we say you're going to worship. And there was also, much like the intolerant political correctness that we live in today, there was a religious system that said, you only can live this way, you can only worship this way. And it was persecuting and harassing and even killing Christ's followers. And in that environment of isolation, in that environment of destruction, in that environment of division, in that environment that was incredibly challenging, the church did not quit. The church did not fold its cards and walk away, say, Jesus rose again and now I'm done. The church continued to move forward. The systems that attempted to conform it were pushed back against. The systems that said, we're going to stifle you were overcome. But it it was not overcome with swords. It was not overcome with demonstrations. It was not overcoming wrestling power away from the system. The people of God learned and walked in a new rhythm that was countercultural to everything that was going on around them. And so it was said of them in Acts, in one of the books of the Bible, that it was noted that these men had been with Jesus. It was also said that these people, everywhere they go, turned the world upside down. A world that's right now full of anxiety and frustration and hatred and division needs a church that will turn it upside down. And that church overcame every barrier that could be erected against it. The barriers of persecution, the barriers of poverty, the barriers of slavery, the barriers of constantly on the run, of being lied about, cheated on, rejected, overwhelmed in every way. That church learned a rhythm that caused it to overcome in the middle of what was going on. And it kept growing and going. Not just growing, but growing and going. In other words, it did not live on its back foot. It began to move forward in the middle of it all. And from the very beginning, the church has lived out a movement, a countercultural rhythm that is different from all around them. In the very first week of the church, we see this. The church had been birthed. Jesus had uh, died, buried, and rose again, and the Holy Spirit had come. There was an incredible move of the Holy Spirit where thousands of people came to faith and in one day. And here's what we find them. They didn't just then say, okay, I had a meeting. They were intending, and the Holy Spirit intended, that it was never going to be about a meeting. It was going to be about a movement of people that had an impact in the world. And it's Acts 2 and 46. It says this in the Passion Translation. Daily. Somebody say daily. They met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They met together. They shared meals together. They were publicly in a building. They were privately in homes. They were eating together. They were praying together. They were celebrating together. They were encouraging together. They were loving together. They were living in harmony with one another. They were choosing relationship over opinion. They were choosing uh, uh, diversity in the middle of all that's going on. They were not allowing what divided them to be a division. They came around the character and the person of Jesus and said, we're going to live different in the middle of this, of this world that's going crazy. And the world needs to see an expression of the church that is not built on an old paradigm, per se, of when we just all gathered on Sunday and came together only, but that the church would be a church on the move in the world wherever we are together. 
For 2,000 years, the church has not been about a meeting. It's been about a movement of people in going into the world. The salt that's let into the world. The light that's shining into the world. Not just a little uh, hovel of, of huddling together waiting for Jesus to come home. We are waiting for Jesus to come back, but we are not hiding together. Our eyes are looking up and saying, Jesus is coming, and it's time that we would be a countercultural church that says to the world, there is a place that's different. There is a hope that's a real. There is a God who's alive, and you can meet him in the community of faith. We are not only a the church. We are not never have been meant to be a building or a meeting. The church has always been creative and resilient in challenging circumstances and times. Always. The church met and would gather at the river early in the morning before anybody else was up so they could avoid being persecuted. Right now in China, the, the churches have been under incredible persecution and people are coming, two and three families gathering in a home and pulling out their Bible and worshiping together and praying together. All through history, Christians have met in caves. They gathered in cathedrals with glorious choirs. We've been able to see in, in uh, Nigeria, churches gathering a million strong. We see it in stadium churches in South America, house churches in Asia. Wherever the church is, the church has said, it doesn't matter what you're going to put around us. You will not quarantine. You might quarantine uh, our bodies, but you will not quarantine our faith. You will not stop the church advancing in the middle of, of all that's going on. We are going to continue to move forward, whether it's under a mango tree in Africa or a secret small group in WhatsApp in, in uh, Iran, which is literally happening right now. People are gathering, huddled in closets on a WhatsApp group, talking together, praying for one another in an encrypted small group. And we're worried, oh, will the church get back to normal? This is normal. The church has always been resilient and overcoming and saying, whatever you try to stifle us, stop us, shut up, it will not move. We're going to take a new form. We're going to find a new way. We're going to be creative in a new season because the mission of God is going to move forward and we're going to do it together. You can quarantine our body, but you cannot quarantine our faith because the church is going to grow together and the church is going to go together. We're going to choose a rhythm of Community over quarantine. Community over quarantine. I want you to expand your thought process that it's not about a meeting on Sunday, but it's about a community every day. What do I mean by all that? Well, one of the weaknesses of the church in Canada is that we have adopted a self-centered, individualistic, what's in it for me, faith. And the reality is, that too often we have made our faith almost solely private and personal, and that's not the faith of the Bible. The faith of Jesus is always public as well and communal. Private and personal. No, not that, not just that, certainly that, but also communal and public. Interpersonal, not independent, but interdependent. And we wonder why often we are not the church that we're called to be when we're not living the way that we were designed to live. And we live in a difficult time where we need to come together more than ever. Because we cannot drift further apart because too often we have quarantined our faith. Made it about me and mine and 
my personal comfort and, and my life and my family, and it needs to be about that, but it cannot only be about that. Because we will be pushed along by the swelling tide of our culture, dividing and destroying relationships and killing the power of the church. Because the power of the church is not in the individual only. You are powerful in God by yourself. But the reality is the power of God in you is best expressed when it's expressed with others. See, the Bible says in 1 Peter that we are living stones being fit together. It says in Corinthians we are made up, we are a body made up of many parts working together. And what does community look like practically? Well, our kids stole my thunder and if Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, where we're going to meet, uh, we're going to talk about in a moment, but I want to remind us, as Hebrews 10 and 25 says, in a time of challenge, in a time of difficulty, when the church was in, in, under incredible stress, Paul reminded them, or whoever wrote Hebrews, it's up for debate, he said, this is not the time to pull away. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. It doesn't happen by accident. But soon, which was once in a while, becomes a habit. Soon, which was, I will never miss church, and then I miss it once in a while, it becomes a habit. Soon, where I once was part of a life-giving community, and over time I got busy with my work, or I got busy with my uh, surviving being a parent and a teacher, wherever it might be, where what was once a once in a while has become a habit that's forming you instead of you forming the habit that will change you and change the community around you. As some are in the habit of doing because we need each other. And I want to break an independent mindset that says, I can do this by myself. No, you can't. You can't. You can survive by yourself, but you will not thrive by yourself. And the effects, and then we'll look at it, and Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. This, this passage we often put off to marriage, and it's okay, it's good to, to remind ourselves of this in marriage, but we rob ourselves of the beauty of what's seen in here, of what community looks like practically. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. But for if one falls down, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, Two can resist. Moreover, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And let's first talk about the effects of isolation. It means that you will have a less meaningful life. You will. And I'm not talking about whether you have a husband or a wife. I'm talking when you choose isolation. You have a less meaningful life. You will, you will get knocked down. We all do. But you may, you may get knocked out. When you live isolated, you live a cold life alone. Everybody inspired so far. You can be overpowered by the pain and the pressure of life. You will have little endurance to survive what's stretching you and pulling you. You say, well, I've got God. Yes, you do have God. But 1 John 4, 12 says that God shows up in and through people. It says this, no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. 
In other words, you fully understand and know the love of God when you have a life that's lived in relationship with others. Somebody needs God to show up in their world, and he can show up through you. You need God to show up in your world. Start opening up your life. Start taking a step out of isolation into community and see what God would do. If you wanted to destroy someone, isolate them. If you wanted to, de to destroy someone's hope, isolate them. If you want to destroy someone's courage, isolate them. If you want to destroy someone's uh, ability to dream, isolate them. If you want to destroy vision, isolate them. And God is always calling us deeper into community. You say, well, I'm pretty good. You don't know if you're there yet, because if your life is continually being challenged and changed and drawn forward by people who live around you, you can become what God's called you to be, because the destiny of God for you is found in the community that you have around you. It's not all about you and God. People say, well, I just, it's just me and Jesus. I don't really need the church. In fact, I don't really like the church. And the church is not, a is not about a building. The church is not a corporation. The church is people. And Jesus said, I will build my church. In other words, I'm building this thing, and I love my church. In other words, how can you hate what Jesus loved and still call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ? And again, I'm not talking about a meeting on a Sunday. I'm talking about choosing community over, uh, over isolation. I'm talking about choosing participation over isolation. I'm talking about taking steps out of hiding and moving into healing and moving out of being hidden away and moving into being known. We find strength in community. They, ha they have a good return for their labor. We are better together. The enemy is incredibly worried about you discovering the strength that's in you when it's joined with somebody else. Because I love what Leviticus says in 26.8. It says, five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. In other words, five is already great. Five of us, 20 times us. Bring it on. But you put a hundred together, and then it goes up to a hundred times. In other in other words, the more you join and get connected with people, the greater the effect that you're going to find in your life, the greater the strength that you're going to find. You won't just get, be getting through trying to make it by yourself, but it's incredibly empowering when you know that somebody is standing with you in the battle, when somebody will take the time to pick up the phone and say, I'm praying for you, when somebody will send you a text and say, hey, how are you doing? When somebody says to you, I'm so inspired by the way that you lived your life and the way that you lived your life, there's a multiplicative effect when we work together. Because you know what? You are not smart enough by yourself. You are not strong enough by yourself. You don't have the resources you need for what God's called you to live. And you will live at always less than, never extending into what God has for you as long as you live outside of community. Community means that there are others that will walk with me and strengthen me and empower me. I'm, my time is almost done. Number two, we find help in community. For if one falls down, his companion can lift him up. Can lift him up. If you haven't fallen down in your life yet, you haven't been alive long enough. Because there will come a time when you fall down in despair, when you fall down in sin, when you fall down in destruction, when you fall down in places and spaces, and you say, how am I going to get up? Well, you know how you get up? You live in community. So many are struggling all alone. They're under the weight of anxiety. They're in fear and frustration because they're in isolation, and they don't know that what they see in front of them is not all that there is. And when you have some 
somebody that you live in community with that can say, I'm going to help you get out of that. You've been discouraged. You feel like quitting. You've been overwhelmed by anxiety. And someone comes and says, you're not going to quit. You're going to stand back up again. You're going to make it today. You're go I'm going to help you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to say, hey, here's how you're going to make your way forward. It's all happening. It's going to happen. Galatians 6, 1. If a man or a woman is overtaken in a fault or falls, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. We need people and we find them in community that will help us up, that will not kick us when we're down. Because that's the way of the world. That's the way of the culture right now. You make a mistake, boom, you're kicked to the side. But the way of the kingdom is, hey, you fell, we're going to help you up. You're not going to judge you into change. We're going to help you to change. We find comfort in community. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Sometimes when life is coming at you, when you're a new mom and your kid is screaming and they won't sleep at night and you feel like you're not going to be able to ever think again, you need to find comfort. Sometimes when you just need someone to remind you when you're struggling that you're not all alone. Sometimes when the coldness of fear of financial ruin is breathing down your neck, you need to someone to say, hey, I'm going to encourage you today. As Hebrews 3 and 13 says, but encourage one another. Here it is again, daily, as long as it is called today, so that you're not hardened. In other words, sins, deceitfulness, the trickery of sin and isolation can trick you to think, oh, God's not for me. I'm never going to make it. But encourage one another daily. Every day you need somebody to be speaking into your life. Every day you need to be encouraging someone else. Every day as you begin to extend yourself and be a friend, you will find, even as our kids talked about today, hey, what kind of friends do you have? Well, the best way to find friend is to be a friend. The best way to find encouragement is to encourage. The best way to find hope is to release hope to someone else. The best way to lift, to be lifted up is to be somebody that's lifting up. That's just the way life works. As you sow, so also will you reap. We find protection in community. And though one may be overpowered, somebody say two can resist. And then a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I don't know about you, but sometimes life is just hard. Just talking before the service, and, and my friend Johnny said to me, whoa, this has been a challenging year for you. You get uh, babies coming and sending your daughter away and marriage and, and leading and pandemics and all that kind of thing. I'm like, yes, it is. It has been. And I'm not saying that to complain. I, say, I, say, I just want to give voice to, to many of us. I say, yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard. Every, there's, Shanda talked about it, disappointments and, and, and all kinds of things that we thought would happen. We had a wedding on Friday, which was incredible for our family, but there was just a few of us down by the Peace Arch Park, and it was great, but it was different than what we had hoped. And so there was, in the middle of celebration, there was also moments where I had to process disappointment, and we find protection in community. Because in the middle of all that, we had somebody in our community that said, we want to bring all the food for everybody. And they put together all the food and didn't just bring it in, slop it out of a bucket. They prepared it in nice little individualized packets and, and put little, wrapped it in things and presented it. And we were able to give it out in the middle of, of what was challenging became a win because community came around us. And sometimes you want to quit on your marriage, and sometimes you start to believe you should give up. Sometimes you believe that the financial mess uh, is going to take you out, and sometimes the pain of loss is wearing you down, and sometimes the constant challenges are too much, and you feel like you're going to be taken out. But this is a call to remind you 
that your, your, your best life is found in together, that the destiny of God for you is found in the community around you. But Craig, a place of strength, a place of help, a place of comfort, protection, that has not been my experience. I've just kind of lived on the edge of community. I've watched it from a distance. Well, let me tell you this. Watching marriage is different than living marriage. And I don't mean that in any funny way, but it's kind of funny. But it is way different than what you think it would be. Having kids is way different than being a babysitter. Having friendships is way different than watching friends. Life is different and it's better when it's experienced together. And in fact, Hebrews 10 and 24 says, and this is my, and we'll end with this, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as an expression of love. Discover creative ways to encourage one another. You say, well, what program is that? I don't know. Creative ways. God, how can I be a help and a blessing to someone else? Who in my neighborhood needs somebody to reach out and say, you're going to make it. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. Who in your neighborhood right next door to you might need a COVID-friendly meal right now or you to call Skip the Dishes because you see heard her yelling at her kids in the backyard because she's overwhelmed? Who knows? Discover creative ways to spur one another on, to encourage one another, to lift one another This is your season to take a step out of isolation into community. This is your season to join a small group for the very first time. This is a small, uh, this is a window and a season that's opening for us to reimagine what creative ways God could be opening up for us to rediscover the rhythm of community over quarantine. Quarantine limits you, community expands you. Quarantine weakens you, community strengthens you. Quarantine discourages you, community encourages you. Quarantine hurts you, community heals you. When our faith is quarantined, our power is as well. And I want to encourage you that the healthy church has always chosen the rhythm of participation over isolation. If you are a follower of Jesus, isolation is not on your menu. And that is counter to what many people would feel. It's just me and Jesus. And I've talked about that already. It is you and Jesus, but it's also you and community. Because the destiny of God for you is found in the community around you. The community called the church could be a life-giving force in the world that not only for itself is, is growing, but also is going to see anxiety lifted, to see families restored, to, to be a church that helps the lonely, to be a church that's a life-giving force of hope, to be a church that's shining light into the darkness, to be a church that's transforming truth in a world full of hate, to be a church where the oppressed can find freedom, to be a church where the lonely can find family, to be a church where those that have no vision can find sight, to be a church where if you're dead in your sin and your trespasses, you can find purpose and hope in God. A church that chooses the rhythm of community over quarantine. And again, let me be clear. I'm not talking about the physical quarantine. I'm talking about the quarantining and the isolating of our faith as an individualistic only way, me and Jesus and my family. It's about that, but it's more than that. The destiny of God for you is found in the community you have around you. I've, you know, I've heard some great things in the last uh, 
number of months of people gathering and watch parties and watching the, the message and worshiping together with their family and bringing another family and, and praying together and discussing it together. I've heard of people that have been gathering together online to pray for one another. I've heard we've, we've been having prayer, uh, prayer meetings for the last five months on Zoom and in, now for the last little while in person. So in other words, there are so many creative ways if you want to join in, if you want to create a new way to connect us together because when we are together, we'll discover the power of God for us and we'll discover that the destiny of God for you is found in the community that you have around you. I invite you in the room to stand on, on your feet and also if you're online right now to just change your posture. If you're uh, just sitting, maybe stand to the because there's something in changing the posture. And I want to actually ask us all wherever we are online, on campus or on demand to Ask Jesus, this: how, Jesus, can I move into a greater level of community? How can I be, find creative ways? And just uh, invite you to bow your head, with you, whether you're uh, online or in the room this morning. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to search us and know us, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you would uh, convict us, Lord, of any areas of isolation. Convict us, Lord, of areas where we try to do life on our own. Lord, that we would be a church that lives together, that we would be a church that refuses quarantining of our faith and says we're going to be a community of faith. Lord, the, the destiny of God for individuals will be found by, the by living life in community. And Father, thank you for the power of the community of faith. And Jesus, and family, if, if wherever you are, if maybe there's someone listening right now that uh, doesn't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and Jesus is the doorway into, into, the, into the family of faith. The Bible talks when we invite Jesus to be the forgiver and leader of our life, we pass from death to life. We pass from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of, his, of Jesus. And so if you've never made Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life, it all starts with a simple... God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Repentance and say, God, I need you in my life. I invite you to come in and lead my life. And if you want to begin the journey for your life, take a step this morning and say, say that seven little words. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. From your heart and invite Jesus to lead you. And Lord, for our church, Lord, I pray that this next season will be marked by a new depth of community. That we will discover creative ways to encourage, to strengthen, to motivate one another to love and good deeds, that truly the church will live out the destiny of God. We will become the church that you've called us to be. We'll be the men you've called us to be. We'll be the women you've called us to be. We'll live the marriages you've called us to have. God, that you will help us, that we will come out stronger and go through stronger together. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.